We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today is Thursday, April the 20th, 2023, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet on today's show Shane Beamer hard at work what's new as three more welcome homes roll in for the 2024 recruiting cycle guys I'll give you all a full update on the recruiting side of things and just the positive momentum that the Gamecocks continue to build on that front. Also, guys, we break down this weekend series as beginning tonight. The Gamecocks host the Florida Gators in a best-of-three set at Founders Park, number six versus number three. Guys, I'll break down the series in its entirety. First things first, we'll talk Florida. They're pitching, they're hitting. Then we'll look at the Gamecocks. What will the starting rotation look like? What to watch for? Key player of the weekend, and I will lock in my prediction as well. Also, guys, we got a great conversation with our good friend Brett Ciantia of Pick 6 Previews as we look back at the 2022 football season, recruiting momentum for Shane Beamer and company. Also, we'll look at the Garnet and Black spring game that took place over the weekend, and we'll tease a bit of 2023 biggest question marks and what we're most looking forward to in the upcoming season. Guys, we have got a packed show for you here on this Thursday. And of course, as always, it's brought to you by our friends over at Price Picks. Go down the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Guys, Price Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. Here's how it works you pick two to six players, and you can win it to 10 times on any entry. Price Picks has no sharks optimizers, or mass multi-injury guys. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sports entry. So, for example, guys, you can take the over on LeBron parlay with the under on Mahomes. You can play college sports, pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of. They have got it over at Prize Picks. They also have a slick, easy-to-use mobile app both on the App Store and Google Play, and they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews. Guys, so many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Price Picks, and you should as well. So again, go down the Price Picks app or go to prizepicks.com, and when you do, use that promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match 
up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. Halfway point of the 2023 SEC baseball season. One thing is for certain. The baseball is heating up on the road to Omaha. And it all gets going tonight at Founders Park. How will South Carolina fare in these next 15 games as they chase a top eight national seed in hopes of hoisting the trophy at season's end. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, happy Thursday. Hope you're all doing well. Chris Phillips here, your host of the Spurs Up Show. As always, we have got a jam-packed show for you all here on this Thursday. And I hope this show does find you well. No matter where you are, what you're doing, appreciate each and every single one of you tuning in. It's been a fantastic week and it continues tonight, guys, as we start with our housekeeping items. Cannot wait to see you all tonight. My Fort Mill Gamecocks specifically as our spring Tour continues. One of our final two dates that we have upcoming tonight, of course, in Fort Mill. A week from today, we will conclude things on the spring tour in beautiful Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Everything gets rolling tonight at Carolina Alehouse Fort Mill at 6 o'clock. And also, guys, of course, in case you missed it, tonight will effectively serve as well as a watch party for game one of the series against Florida. First pitch is set for 7.30. It is being televised on ESPNU. So we will not have any of the difficulties we had at Carolina Alehouse on Woodruff Road, which again, thank you to the Woodruff Road staff for working with us that night, finding a way to stream the game. But thankfully, again, South Carolina, Florida tonight will be on ESPNU. So we'll be able to all watch it together at Fort Mill. Again, the tour gets going specifically at six o'clock. I'll probably do a quick Q&A around 7 or so. Take your questions before the game, and then we will sit and enjoy as the Gamecocks take on the Gators in Game 1 of this series. Of course, guys, we'll have the Beamer Ball to the Moon Tour shirts for sale on hand. We'll have towels. We'll have koozies. We'll have koozies to give away. Going to be a great night in Fort Mill, South Carolina tonight. Would love to see all my Charlotte Gamecocks. Of course, my Fort Mill Gamecocks, Rock Hill. Wherever you're at, if you're in the local area, come on out, Carolina Alehouse, Fort Mill tonight. Should be a lot of fun. Also, guys, a couple of quick things to touch on. Like I said, guys, this is a jam-packed show. So many things to discuss. There's things I forgot to even add on to here that I didn't even mention in the intro. So first things first is this. I know normally, right, as I teased in the intro, uh, we're at the mid-season point 
of the SEC slate, right? We're 14 games down because of the one game that got canceled against LSU, but we've got 15 to go. We sit right at the halfway point in case you missed it. Yesterday on the Daily Crow, I actually did. We normally do like a mid-season report card show, an award show. You know, I felt like this year I was sitting here thinking, I was like, you know, with everything going on, I was like, do we really need a full podcast on the mid-season report card? And I kind of felt weird, honestly, about handing out awards at the mid-season point. So if you are curious, and you've probably already seen it on social media, our graphic that dropped, uh, but I did talk about this yesterday on the Daily Crow, just ran through my grades of the Yardcocks at this point to the first 14 SEC games. So if you want to tune into that, go back on that show yesterday on the Daily Crow. You can find that in podcast version, of course, uh, dropped yesterday at 3 o'clock. Or you can go back on YouTube, on Facebook, wherever you catch the Daily Crow. Check it out. Also, guys, one piece of news that I did not include really on this show or in the intro, of course, are the rumors surrounding Jordan Birch. And let me just quickly say, I'm not really going to spend a lot of time commenting on it in case you missed it. Apparently, there is interest from the Birch camp in returning to South Carolina. And this is real interest. This is not fabricated. This is something that I have confirmed with multiple people. Apparently, Jordan Birch does not love Oregon, does not love Eugene as much as he thought he would, and he would quote-unquote like to return to South Carolina. So I will just leave it at that. We'll see what happens if anything comes of this and let the debate rage on if should or should not. Should South Carolina allow him to return? What should Shane Beamer do? We ran the poll, what, Tuesday afternoon on social media, and as you could imagine, uh, I think there were over 4,000 votes or 5,000 even on that poll. So, uh, again, we'll see how that plays out. I'm not going to spend, though, a ton of time, really any time today, speculating on it. When the news drops, we shall see. But going to be really, really interesting to see how that plays out. Also, guys, if you want more information, by the way, on that, also, the Jalen Nichols injury that happened in the spring game. Today's conversation on the Daily Crow, depending on when you're hearing this, today's convo, though, with J.C. Sherbert is going to be a must-listen because I'm sure he's going to be able to fill us in on a lot of these rumors, a lot of speculation surrounding a lot of different things. Also, with J.C., as we get into the show, we will talk about this. Three welcome homes over the last 48 or 72 hours or so as Shane Beamer stays hard at work on the recruiting trail. And guys, admittedly, I am recording this podcast Wednesday morning. So I know we have two announcements set for Wednesday at noon, Mike Williams and Kelvin Hunter. And I'm going to go ahead and guys and assume both of these guys are Gamecocks as both of their crystal balls are 100% pointing to South Carolina. So let's just speak as if these guys have already committed. I'm sure by the time you're hearing this, they already have. Mike Williams, the three-star offensive line, six foot six, 325 pounds. Just a behemoth of a human being coming out of, guess what? Guess where? The DMV. It's just like a given. I mean, if you guys, five, six, seven years ago, you could have given me a million guesses as to Chris, seven years from now or however many years from now, the Gamecocks are going to be dominating in this area in recruiting. 
I think the DMV would have probably been like the last place on my list. It is crazy how they just keep going up there and getting these players. He's a .8450 on the 24-7 sports composite out of Baltimore, Maryland. Charles Herbert Flowers High School, of course, of the 2024 class. And you look at who he chose the Gamecocks, uh, which schools he chose the Gamecocks over. How about Michigan State and the Maryland Terrapins. It's always nice we can sort of jab and take one for those guys, right? Need I say more? But uh, Lonnie Teasley, Shane Beamer, those guys doing work on the trail. Again, six foot six, 325. I know he's a three-star, but I really don't care. When you look at a guy with that type of size, that's what you want in the trenches. So Mike Williams, a big pickup as they continue to build the quote-unquote Great Wall of Carolina. The other commitment coming in, and this is a big one, four-star safety. Kelvin Hunter out of Florence, South Carolina, West Florence High School. He's a .9235 on the 24-7 sports composite, measures 5'11", 181, and uh, he chooses the Gamecocks over Auburn, Coastal Carolina, Kentucky, Michigan. So some really, really good schools there. Torian Gray landing a big-time safety. And, of course, guys, you want to keep the best players in-state. You want to keep them home and this is just another one. He's ranked the third overall player in the state of South Carolina on the 24-7 sports composite. So Shane Beamer and company, who is the third welcome home? We do not know right now. But I tell you what, guys, and at the risk of sounding like a broken record, you've heard this from different people. You've heard this from me before. But I will say this, and I've talked to J.C. Sherbert. I've talked to others like, South Carolina has always historically recruited pretty well, right? They've normally recruited uh, at a nice clip, we'll say. Good enough to compete and to win enough to keep this fan base happy, I think, right? Or to give yourself an opportunity at least to challenge. But what Shane Beamer and company right now are doing on the recruiting trail, and guys, I, I don't know if it's going to translate to 10-win seasons, 11-win seasons, SEC championships, national. I have no idea. But what they're doing right now in recruiting cannot be ignored. I, I mean, it is absolutely incredible. When you look at the way they're just reeling these guys in and, and everybody's buying into the positive momentum and all the hype and everything surrounding Gamecocks football, the 2024 class, guys, I mean, it is truly setting up to be the best class in school history. And, and I'm not even trying to be someone that's like, overreactions or, or or giving you some hot take or just trying to say something to make you react like this really could set up as the best class in school history when you think about who's still out there right who they have the opportunity to land and where you currently rank I think I saw something from on three sports the uh the overall composite I think the Gamecocks rank fifth right now fifth in recruiting I mean it's absolutely crazy when you look at what Shane Beamer and company are doing on the recruiting trail, and I mean, you got to just tip your cap to a job well done, those guys. It, it's, 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 it just shows that what he's preaching and what he's selling and, and what they're doing in Columbia, it's just infectious, man. And you get guys on campus and you knew with the spring game, hey, you get him inside Williams Bryce Stadium, as Brad Lowing once told me, you got a great chance to land. And the other thing that I'll talk to JC Sherbert about today and something else he told me is that, you know, he made the point. That, you know, for the arch rival, if you will, when they changed their program, recruiting changed, right? The way they changed the program was through great recruiting. He texted me a comment that really stood out to me. And again, I'll bring this up to him later today on the Daily Crow if you guys want to tune into that. But he made the point and said, Chris, 
Shane Beamer is recruiting at a higher clip, at a more successful clip, at a more elite clip right now than during Clem Sucks' run and what Dabo Sweeney was doing. So, like, when you think about that and, and just what that speaks to, like the level they're recruiting at, I mean, it's just, guys, it's incredible. It's incredible. We'll see over the coming years if it translates into wins and just how many wins and what have you because there's a lot of moving pieces and things that go into winning a lot of games. But we've all talked about it starts in recruiting. And if South Carolina, three, four, five years from now, if they're in the SEC championship, it's because we'll have looked back and said, recruiting changed. Because without that piece, it doesn't matter if you have all the other pieces. Without that piece, none of it matters. And right now, folks, recruiting is changing in Columbia. I, I mean, South Carolina, as I mentioned earlier, they've recruited well. They've recruited at a pretty nice clip. This is something we've never seen. And I'm not trying to set unfair expectations here, or really be rah-rah, anything crazy, but it's just the truth. I mean, you look at the rankings, you look at the numbers, you look at who they're bringing in. The recruiting has never been like this before. So it's going to be a lot of fun to continue, guys. Shane Beamer is the hardest working man in showbiz, as we all know. And uh, two more great pickups in Williams and Hunter. And I'm sure that other one out there is another fantastic pickup as well. Uh, keep on keeping on Beamer ball to the moon. That being said, guys, let's move into the baseball series that starts tonight at Founders Park as the Gamecocks return home to the friendly confines off of that Tuesday midweek win against Charleston Southern to take on the third-ranked Florida Gators. And a best of three, again, that starts tonight at 7.30, tomorrow at 7, and Saturday at 2. That's when you can catch all three games. Uh, ESPNU will be the place you can watch tonight. SEC Network Plus, both tomorrow and and Saturday. But again, Gamecocks Gators on the big channel, ESPNU tonight. The head coach of Florida, of course, Kevin O'Sullivan, feels like he's been there forever. Uh, their record right now in Florida, guys, really, really good. And one of those ball clubs that's certainly right there with South Carolina fighting for a top eight national seed. 31 and seven overall, 11 and four in SEC play. And as we dive into the pitching, the hitting, you know, I think that's the one thing. When you look at these great teams, they've all sort of got one thing where it's like, if this rears its ugly head, this could derail their national title hopes. I think for the Gators, it is that bullpen. I think it's the bullpen because you look at the pitching staff, a 4.89 team ERA, a 5.54 SEC ERA, which might sound kind of high, guys, but it's it's really not. It's really not all that high. As you look at, let's see, let's look at the numbers here uh, for ERA, if I can find it. Um, here we go. Earned run average. Florida sits seventh in the SEC with a 5.54 ERA. Uh, hitters are hitting 237 off of them. That is good enough for fourth in the SEC. They actually lead the conference in batters struck out with strikeouts. 162 Gamecocks, for comparison, are eighth <clears throat> at 129. So, all in all, Florida's been really good. Uh, you know, not the best, obviously, Vanderbilt number one in the conference, 4.04. The Gamecocks number two, actually, 4.43 in ERA. But a very solid Florida pitching staff. The starting rotation, I think, guys, is one of the best in the SEC. And certainly, it'll be a challenge for these Gamecock hitters all weekend long. As we continue, guys, Brandon Neely out due to ejection. That is the big storyline for the Gators. Their closer and one of their best pitchers certainly going to help a bullpen that is already really gettable. When you look at the projected starting rotation for the Gators, they'll go Sprout, Waldrop, 
and Caglione on this week. And you look at the overall numbers. Sprout, I mean, a fantastic pitcher, guys. Five and one with a four nine six ERA. The ERA is a little inflated, but 69 strikeouts and 49 innings pitched. Hurston Waldrop, he is six and one with a four one five ERA, 52 innings pitched, and again, 83 strikeouts for him. And then, of course, guys, maybe the talk of the SEC, Jack. Caglione, four and one with a four seven four ERA, just thirty eight innings pitched, but forty three strikeouts for him as well. And hitters are hitting just one eighty one against Caglione this season. So certainly that's going to be a name, guys. Of course, as we dive into their hitters that you hear all weekend long. Sprout, Waldrop, Caglio, excuse me, Caglione, one of the best starting rotations in all of college baseball, in my opinion. As you dive into what the Gators have done, swinging a stick. They've been fantastic. Again, a great lineup, hitting 316 overall, 268 in SEC play. And as you look, look, look at players to watch for, guys, it starts with Josh Rivera, which it's so interesting, guys. Life comes full circle, right? Because I recall being at Founders Park in 2021 when the Gamecocks took on the Gators, and that was a really memorable series, right? But Josh Rivera was a true freshman on that team, and I think he hit like 200 that season. To see his growth for Florida, it's really impressive. Hitting 400 this season, he leads the Gators, 14 home runs, 52 RBI on the season. You then go to Wyatt Langford, hitting 389, nine home runs, 23 RBI. And then, guys, like I just mentioned, Jack Caglione, what a season he's having. To see Caglione versus Petri is going to be so much fun. He's hitting 382, 22 home runs, and 50 eight RBI certainly has got to be one of those guys that's up there for the Golden Spikes Award player of the year in the SEC. I mean, he is a do-it-all everything. You don't see a ton of these guys that are uh, that are two-way guys like Caglione is, but it's absolutely incredible what he's doing this season for sure. As we move to the Gamecock side of things, guys, projected starting rotation for Carolina, it'll be Sanders, Mahoney, and then TBA yet again for the second straight weekend as we move into what to watch for. That is my big question. Does Matthew Becker get the nod yet again in game three. I thought he was really solid. Obviously, he has not pitched since then. I think it would make a lot of sense uh, as you move everybody up a day because the Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. I don't think that'll have much effect on Matthew Becker, if any effect at all. But uh, you do have different options, right? Eli Jerzenbeck got the start in the midweek, so I certainly don't think it'd be him. Uh, But I think they like Matthew Becker in that game three spot. Again, why not? He was really, really good in that ball game. But really, guys, when you look at game three, it's who's going up against Jack Caglione. Jack Caglione, a guy sitting 98-99, if you will. Uh, or excuse me, 97-98. He's bumped 99 a couple of times. But the stuff is incredible. You're definitely going to need to be solid on the mound in that game. And so it'll be interesting to see if Matthew Becker is indeed the man they turn to in that final game of the series. Guys, also what you're looking for on the injury front. Unfortunately, the injury bug has been striking here of late. As in Tuesday's contest, Talmadge LeCroy goes down. Gavin Cassis gets hit with a pitch late in the ballgame. He does not return. What is the status of those two players? Honestly, I would not expect to see LeCroy this weekend. I mean, you hope he can return, but the injury did not look good. Looked like a hamstring, which again is a really finicky thing. Mark Kingston saying after the game Tuesday, he is day-to-day right now, which... I mean, we've all heard, man, day-to-day. It feels like that lasts for weeks, doesn't it? Uh, Gavin Cassis, I don't think I'm not quite as worried about. He got hit in the knee 
Um, I think he should be good to go. I think it's one of those things where it was like the eighth inning. Why not just take him out? Why not just let him sit? Let Cole Messina move to first, if you will. So I think he'll be fine. But really the status of Talmadge Lecoy, and the last thing you want to see, right? I think we've we've all got sort of PTSD from last year and the injury bug creeping up and the entire team being hurt, it seemed. So you just hope these guys are able to get better sooner rather than later. Every team in the country at this point is somewhat nicked up. Somebody's out. Somebody's hurt, what have you. But the last thing you want, obviously, is to go into your last 15 SEC games and be dealing with these injuries and the injuries start piling up, uh, if you will. Uh, Also, guys, the big thing we're looking for in this series, we talked about it after Vandy. The one thing holding this team back right now is the defense and the defensive miscues in South Carolina ranks 11th in the SEC in fielding percentage. Really, ironically enough, Florida's not much better than you, but you've got to find a way to clean up those defensive miscues. Um, if Talmadge LeCroy does go, listen, he's been one that he's been uh, one of the big pieces of that. I mean, just call it for what it is. He has not been great over there at third base. But whatever the situation is on the infield, The Gamecocks have got to be elite defensively. You are simply not going to go through these next 15 games, the next five SEC series against the teams you are playing. You are not going to have the outcome you desire if you're making error after error, giving extra outs to these elite opponents. you got to clean it up defensively, be better in the field. We'll see if South kind of can do that. Guys, something else I'm looking forward to, I just mentioned it a bit ago, but this matchup, two of the best sluggers in the entire country go at it. Ethan Petrie and what he's done at this point in this season against Jack Caglione. And guys, again, watching these two dudes on the field is going to be so much fun, especially on Saturday when we see Ethan Petrie face him head on. And of course, we know he doesn't back down from any challenge. Just look at his at-bats against Paul Skeens just a couple of weekends ago. But watching Petrie, Caglione, guys, I mean, if you love the best of the best, you love what makes SEC baseball great, This weekend, it's going to be on full display. Two of the best players in all of college baseball. Going to be a lot of fun. Guys, something else you're looking forward to, we talked about the suspension to Brandon Neely, the Gators' closer, which I think we all agree is extremely soft, and I can't believe he's suspended for four games. But the bottom line is, he is. He is suspended for his antics against Georgia when I guess he was talking crap and said something, and I guess it was bad enough for uh, him to get suspended for this entire weekend but the suspension hurts an already suspect lineup, you know, or excuse me, a suspect bullpen, if you will. You know, I, I just, when I look at this series, not to get in my prediction early, but when I look at this series, I think both teams are going to hit. Like, I, I really do. I think both teams are going to have success swinging a bat. It's really going to come down to which staff as a whole is able to hold down the other more effectively. And this Neely loss is big, man, because Florida's bullpen, you know, you've probably seen some of the some of the, the head-scratching losses in the midweek for the Gators. It comes back to their bullpen. I mean, their bullpen has been a nightmare at times, and certainly losing Neely is going to hurt them even further. So is South Carolina able to expose that, take advantage? And who steps up, if anyone, for the Gators? Who do they turn to now that Neely is no longer available? And guys, finally... What I'm looking forward to, we talked about last weekend, the challenges of going on the road in the SEC and you know why it's so hard to win there. Well, now the Gamecocks have home field advantage. And this is a pivotal SEC series, and I think it's big. I think it's big for the Yardcocks to bounce back here. Because again, if you're going to give this team the benefit of the doubt and give them the excuse of, hey, you're on the road against a top five team in the SEC, losing two of three, there's no shame in it. You got to protect your home field 
when you have the opportunity. Simply put, you've just got to be able to protect the home field. I think Founders Park will be rocking. I know the Rowdy Roosters will show up, show out. Going to be a great weekend weather-wise for baseball as well. And, hey, the last time the Gators came here, guys, you swept them. So you know Florida's going to have revenge on their mind as well. But having that home field advantage in a series like this, when we looked at the schedule before the season started, we knew that uh, getting this one at home was big. Can the Yardcocks bounce back in the right way and take advantage of it? Going to be a lot of fun to see, but certainly, again, you want to protect the home field. This is a big... We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One for sure is also, by the way, the Gamecocks try to fight their way back up the SEC East ladder as the Gators are half a game ahead of you in the conference. Guys, let's move to my key player of the weekend. And in a series like this, it's star power that matters. And as you return to the friendly confines, right? And as I told you guys, I think the baseball is going to be flying all over Founders Park this weekend on a warm weekend. I think the Gamecocks are going to hit. I think the Gators are going to hit. And a big piece of that South going to line up. And like I said, I mentioned, you're going to hear a lot, guys. You're probably going to get sick of hearing the name Jack Caglione and you know ESPNU and SEC Network Plus are just going to be talking this guy up and raving and ranting, as they should. But the Gamecocks have got a damn good one as well. And Ethan Petrie, and I think it is pivotal. He lead this lineup yet again and have a big weekend. He is my key player of the weekend. When Caglione jabs, you jab back twice. I think Ethan Petrie is that guy that can do it. I think he can be the star you need him to be. And again, in a series like this, you're taking on the number three team in the country. Your stars have to rise to the occasion. I know he's a true freshman, but guys, you get 37 games in a season, you're really not a true freshman anymore. I mean, at this point, Petri's had enough ABs and enough experience. He's one of your dudes now, right? There's no debate about that. So Ethan Petri in that three-hole, I would expect him to have a big weekend. If you do, I think South Carolina will have a successful weekend as a whole, which leads me into, guys, my prediction. And I'm sure many of you are on the edge of your seat. God, Chris, please just pick Florida this week. Please pick Florida to take two of three. Don't jinx the Gamecocks. Guys, like I told you after last weekend, and I told you in the Monday show, I will not apologize for being confident and damn near cocky some of the time. Being fan, being a fan of a th- team that's 31-6 and six and ranked sixth in the entire country. Right, Florida, a dangerous team. I have been very high on Florida all throughout this season. I think they probably will end up being a top eight national seed. You know, I believe in what they have in their starting rotation. This lineup rakes. 
just as well as any lineup in all of college baseball. The loss of Brandon Neely. Who steps up for them? I mean, certainly they got dudes, right? Florida always have has dudes. They got guys coming out the bullpen throwing 97, 98, 99. It seems like every single guy is doing that, right? And what's so much fun about this weekend, this feels like one of those old-school matchups right back in the early 2010s when it was Gamecocks, Gators, Ray Tanner versus Kevin O'Sullivan, those great teams where it felt like you were fighting for the SEC East. We are back to that reality. Can South Carolina clean it up defensively? You give a team like Florida extra ABs, extra outs, it's going to kill you. You're not going to get away with it, right? So you got to clean it up on defense. Like I told you guys earlier, though, I think this series is going to be a lot of fun, a lot of back and forth, a lot of offense, too. A lot of offense. As much as I believe in the Gamecocks pitching staff, uh, Florida's going to get theirs. They're going to score. They're going to hit home runs. going to warm weekend at Founders. The ball's going to be flying. If the wind's blowing at all, my goodness, look out. You might see some double-digit scoring games from both sides in which one team has to outslug the other. And that's the big question for me, right? Each team's going to throw their best punch. Each team's going to jab which one can land that sort of knockout and which one can take the punches and withstand it, a.k.a. which pitching staff can hold up more so than the other. I think right now, guys, while the Yardcocks are banged up a bit, right, with Talmadge, Lee Croy, Gavin Cassis, what's their status? Will McGillis still fighting injury, right? Carson Hornung playing through some things. I think on the pitching side of things, South Carolina is in a better position right now in their bullpen I think the Gators still have real issues. It would not surprise me if you got to a game in the 7th, 8th, Florida's lead, and the Gamecocks are able to steal a game or two. It would not shock me at all if that were to take place. And I think at home, at Founders Park, I think the Yardcocks will find a way to get the job done. I think they find a way to outslug the Gators on their home field in what will be a really, really competitive series. Again, guys, we talked about it just last weekend how difficult it is to win on the road in the SEC. You've got two night games at Founders Park. I think the Rowdy Roosters, again, will show up, show out. They'll be loud. They will make life tough on Florida, similar to what we saw in that LSU game. That game went on that Thursday night. I, I think the presence from this crowd will be felt, and I think the Gamecocks, I mean, again, they're a damn good baseball team. you got depth in the pitching staff. The hitting will do enough. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun weekend ball flying over the yard, but lock me in, guys. I do have the Yardcocks taking two of three from the Florida Gators, bouncing back in the right way, bouncing back in a big way. I think this team is resilient. They've shown it all season. They will not let that Vanderbilt series carry over. And I think the Gamecocks will take this series, a huge series, against the number three Florida Gators. So again, lock me in, guys. South Carolina takes Two of three. How are you feeling about it? How do you think the Gamecocks will fare in this one? Again, I've got the Yardcocks and Mark Kingston's club taking a series, winning two of three, and uh, what would be a huge series win for sure. Guys, with that being said, hey, that's going to do it all for me, but don't go anywhere. we got a great conversation upcoming in the spirit of spring games and football, and it's never too early to be talking the 2023 season. we got my good friend Brett Ciancia of Pick 6 Previews, guys, in my opinion, the best preseason magazine in the business. And Brett Ciancia is certainly one of the best in the business at what he does as well. So check him out, guys. Again, thank you all so much. Appreciate you all tuning in. Have a great rest of your Thursday and enjoy this conversation with Brett Ciancia of Pick 6 Previews.
All right, guys, joining us on today's show, a familiar face and a familiar voice. He is the founder and owner of Pick 6 Previews, which in my humble opinion is the best preseason magazine out there. Brett Ciancia joins the show once again. Brett, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. It is always a pleasure to chat with you. And a little bit of a spring teaser here. We catch up for you for the first time as I was talking off air. First time you and I have spoken since early August. So I know we've got a ton to discuss when it comes to the 2022 season and all the madness that took place. But first things first, Brett, again, thank you so much. And also, as you told me off air, you're getting married, my friend. Congratulations. Appreciate you taking the time. Hey, yeah, congrats, Chris. Uh, you know, for a big season for South Carolina, big season for the brand there, Spurs up. Uh, and thanks. Yeah, it's a big week for me. So I'm, you know, sneaking in a little spring football preview, but it's back to wedding to do list, as you know. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah, it's uh, so I dodged the fall wedding, but it is a, you know, it's preseason book season. So yeah. um, anyway, but uh, no, great to be talking football. And uh, yeah, congrats, Gamecock Nation. It was a heck of a season for you guys. Um, heck of a November, I should say. Um, I think we spoke, uh, yeah, we did your show in August. I think we spoke on a Twitter space a little bit right before the season kicked off. And uh, if you'd have told me how that, you know, those two top 10 wins that close out the season, I wouldn't have believed you. So, yeah, you shattered expectations here in year two under Shane Beamer and um, a lot of excitement. Um, just tuned into your spring game, too, a couple of days ago. I saw the rerun and, uh, you know, it looks like a passionate bunch out there. Williams Bryce, what, 51K? Mm -hmm. So. You know, the, the optimism has got to be running running big down there. So excited to be on. And, Brett, we'll for sure touch on that in just a second. But like you mentioned, man, it's preseason magazine season. You know, Athlon dropping theirs next month. The Phil Steels of the world will roll out their magazine, which leads me to this, Brett. We got to know, man, have you set a date? When's the magazine dropping? Everybody looks forward to it. I am one that loves preseason magazine season. So do we have a date in mind, a time frame? We're looking at middle of July again, late July. What's it What's it look like for your magazine this year? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, last year was the first year with the hard copy. It had been 10 years of digital only. Last year we went in hard copy edition, and uh, people seemed to like it. Got a lot of reviews, a lot of excitement. So we'll be doing the hard copy again this year, uh, targeting targeting early July. Um, you know, I like to get it out a little bit later just because uh, the way this transfer portal window opens up again, I think it's open till what, May 1st or early May. So yeah. I want to be able to get all that new info into the book and, and reevaluate these teams and get it as fresh as possible. Um, rather than putting it on newsstands in May and it uh, being outdated already. So, um, yeah, a little bit later in the cycle, but uh, early July, and um, that's the target. Like I said, it is wedding season for me, too, getting in the way a little <laughs> bit. But <laughs> nice. I started nice and early on the 2023 preview book. Got some coach calls coming up, a ton of spring games in my DVR ready for me. So uh, I'm excited to, to dig in this year. Save the best for last, dare I say, Brett. I'm not trying to throw any shade in any other preseason magazines, but I got it. Uh, thank you. Your, yours nah. is my favorite. I always look forward to it. And I tell you this too, just to uh, make you feel good, if you will. I got a couple buddies that live down in Savannah. Shout out to my guys down there. But every time I go, and I remember when I went down there in late August, what was sitting on their coffee table? None other than the 2022 pick six preview hard copy of the magazine my friend I'm, hey it's well there we go yeah Gamecock nation so love to hear it man that's awesome stuff <laughs> and uh, appreciate you and all the all the buyers out there the customers also the twitter followers and everybody so uh it's been it's been great and yeah excited to go hard copy again the reviews are awesome man so we'll do that again and so just something to be said about having the tangible book in your hands mm -hmm. like you said coffee table take it to the lake take it to the beach <laughs> so uh yeah i'm all i'm all on board with you there can't wait. Well, Brett, let's look back at the 2022 season before we look ahead, of course, and look right now at spring ball, all that good stuff. 
like you mentioned, it was a bit of a roller coaster ride in South Carolina. Really, I would say, Brett, for 10 of the 12 weeks. Um, I mean, calling it a roller coaster, like I said, is putting it kindly, man. You look at Spencer Rattler, five touchdowns, nine interceptions going into that Tennessee game. He throws six alone in that ball game, sets the world on fire. And of course, the Gamecocks, they go up to Memorial Stadium, take down the arch rival in a thrilling contest, close out with maybe the most improbable back-to-back two-week stretch, if you will, any college football team has ever had. And all of a sudden, isn't it funny, Brett? It only takes a game or two. It only takes a couple of weeks, and your season goes from being a disappointment to a dream type of season. But that's what happened for South Carolina, for Spencer Rattler at the end. Of course, unfortunately, you lose in the Gator Bowl to Notre Dame, but you know you were a bit under man, and I mean, bowl season, it's not like that's going to derail what you did a year ago. So anyways, when you look back at the 2022 season, my friend, just how crazy was it? And again, that last two weeks, have you ever seen anything like that in college football? Yeah, I'll say that every season there's some surprise games, some some upsets, some head scratchers. You look back on the box score, watch the tape, and you think, how did that happen? But I think at the top of the list has to be the South Carolina-Tennessee game, just because of what South Carolina was coming off of offensively the first 10 games of the year and, and all of 2021 for that matter. You know, you look at Marcus Satterfield's 20, his first 23 games there, they were outside the top 50 uh, in Power 5. That's, you know, out of 69 Power 5 teams. So almost bottom 20 uh, over that whole duration. Then all of a sudden they drop a 63-point bomb on the top 5 team. Uh, it's just they, they could do no wrong. I mean, everything was clicking. And uh, you look back on it, I think there had to have been some playbook, some playbook tweaks or simplification, you know, doubling down on what was working, cutting out some of the extra stuff. I know it was a fat playbook down there last year. Um, so I think you saw that in real time. They said, Hey, let's just go with what works and hammer it home. And it, it clicked. So that was one of the most surprising outcomes, uh, that I've seen all season. And then to double it up next week with the, the win over Clemson, um, even more important for the program, just to break that seven year streak against Clemson. And it, it helps too, that you got to end their record home streak in death Valley. You got to knock him out of the playoffs. So a lot of, uh, a lot of bragging rights there for South Carolina. So yeah, I break it down into two parts. It was like the first 10 games and then those two fireworks at the end. So, um, And then statistically, we can get into it, but um, kind of a weird quirk here where both the offense and the defense both finished 39th uh, out of 69 uh, in my offense and defense numbers. So um, pretty dead in the middle there. Um, but we can we can break all those down when we talk about it. But, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the two fireworks at the end give you all that momentum you need to go into 2023. You saw it with recruiting. You saw it on National Signing Day, uh, landing Nick Harbour, the big five-star. I don't know if all that happens um, yeah, without those two fireworks at the end of the year. So, Yeah, and Brett, I, I want to save the deep dive on the statistics for later in the summer when I have my, your magazine in front of me because I, I love the way you break everything down, obviously. And I think it's going to be, honestly, though, so fascinating to look at those stats because – You know, I I think people, when they make their predictions for this year's team or they look at this year's team, I think a lot of people, maybe blinded is the wrong word, but a a lot of Gamecock Nation especially, they're going to choose to remember the final two contests and forget that the first 10 happened. You know what I mean, Brett? So it's kind of this balance of what is South Carolina going to be more of in 2023? What we saw in the last two games or more of the first 10. And I think there are reasons to think they're going to be closer to the Tennessee or the Clemson product versus the previous 10 games. But I just think it's a really fascinating thing, and we'll touch on that in just a second. But you mentioned, Brett, the recruiting side of things, and Nicholas Harbor, uh, the big signee. I mean, Shane Beamer is making a splash right now, Brett. The Gamecocks, as we speak today, picked up three commitments for the 2024 class. They sit here right now ranked fifth 
in the 2024 cycle. They're recruiting at a clip that we've never seen in Columbia. Seven of the nine prospects in 2024 are four or five stars. The blue chip ratio is something South Carolina has never flirted with, really being over that 50% mark. Brett, they did it in the 2023 class. They're trending 2024 to do it as well. From the outsider perspective, from the national perspective, your perspective, when you look at what Shane Beamer and company are doing in recruiting, I mean, what are your thoughts? You're just like, what? what is he selling? What is he preaching? Like, what do you think of what's going on right now on the recruiting side of things for South Carolina? Yeah, it's it's fascinating what's happening down there. I mean, uh, they, they started this cycle so strong. Um, yeah, there's a couple of things at play here. I like the geography of it, the demographics of it. And when you look at that part of the country, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, some of Virginia too, it's booming in terms of high school talent um, more than it was five years ago, more than it was 10 years ago. So right away, the one thing you can't change about a program is its geography. Uh, then the second longest term thing to change would be your conference affiliation. They've got that going for them with the SEC card. So uh, there's a lot to like for the program right there. And then you talk about other things like fan incitement, fan, uh, fan engagement. It's very passionate down there, as you know. Um, you know, you look at the, the head coach and his coordinators, People want to play for a guy like Shane Beamer. He seems like a player's coach. The, they, you know, people seem to um, radiate to him. You saw that through the transfer portal. So, yeah, there's a lot to like. And um, it's, a, it's a competitive conference, as we know. It's the best conference in terms of recruiting, in terms of NFL draft. Uh, really, any way you, you slice it, it's a top conference. So I think he's selling all of that. He's also selling the vision of, hey, we already knocked off Clemson once, and it's only year two. We're still building this thing up. Um, we already put 63 points on Tennessee, a top five team. So you can start to see the proof of concept coming into view there in November uh, more than it was in the first or se- first season or the you know the first half of the, the second season. So yeah, a lot there, but um, yeah, great progress there. That that'd be the I think an all time high for South Carolina recruiting. Yep. Uh, I know it's way early in the cycle, but that's that's some great gains. Mm-hmm. Seventh in two thousand seven, Brett is the highest they've ever finished in recruiting. I don't even know if that year. They hit that 50% blue chip ratio. I think they probably did. But either way, yeah, Gamecocks definitely trending to have an all-time class for sure as Shane Beamer continues to build the program. Um, Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells, Brett, earlier a couple months ago, I think it was in January or so, those two guys, though, importantly, they announced their return to South Carolina for this season. Both guys certainly could have been to the or gone to the draft, if you will, that'll happen next week and could have been fairly high draft picks. But again, both decide to come back and, and I said this, Brett, that that was the difference between the Gamecocks being a fringe bowl team and a team that maybe, just maybe, maybe it's a little bit overzealous, but could potentially challenge to get to nine or even ten wins. Your just overall thoughts of how that changes your perception, the return of Spencer Rattler and Juice Wells, maybe what could be the most dynamic connection in the SEC between quarterback and receiver, how that changes your view of South Carolina football uh, as you look at them for the 2023 campaign. Yeah, when I was reviewing South Carolina, their season and then the spring game and all the numbers, I don't think there was a more underappreciated receiver out there than Juice, uh, Juice Wells. I mean, from a national scope, I know that you guys are all over it in South Carolina and probably the SEC. I think he got first team all SEC, but you talk to the average national fan, uh, nobody knows about this guy, and I think it's the best kept secret. Um, so you have him on the outside. You, you do bring in Harbor. I think he's going to be playing right away. I know both coordinators are going to be pulling for him, you know, either the linebacker or the receiver or tight end or something, but uh, th- those two right there. Um, and loved, loved bringing in Trey Knox, the six, five converted tight end. He, he converted a tight end last year at Arkansas. And, um, you know, he just brings such a, a big frame to tight end. Um, so that, that trio right there, I really like. And then of course it's Rattler. Um, we saw some really good stuff from him in 2020. 
uh, okay in 2021 and, and then hot and cold last year. You saw him finish so strong, though. Um, I think with a simplified playbook or just a playbook that is designed to him, I think you're going to see that uh, through the coordinator change. And, um, yeah, I mean, and also another thing to look at, too, not to do the statistical deep dive. I know you don't want to do that yet, but one quick thing on Rattler is he himself helped improve their uh, their pass protection numbers because there's two parts of pass protection. It's obviously the line doing their job, but also the quarterback can help out with some elusiveness in the pocket, extending plays, shiftiness. He had all of that. So you saw some gains in pass pro. I don't know that the lineman got better per se, but I think that he himself elevated that number. So, um, yeah, that's a great one-two punch. And uh, that right away uh, really flips the narrative for them coming into this year. Now, Brett, let's talk spring game. First things first, are you a big spring game guy? You know, it's funny, Brett, because I, I try to, you know, and I tell people, hey, don't overreact. It's just a spring game. It's a scrimmage. It means nothing. But it's so funny, Brett. Like, I just feel like people like myself and probably you as well, like we're wired to when we see action taking place on the football field, we want to pick it apart, right? Like we we want to <laughs> react to it, right? We're so like programmed to react to it. And you have to constantly remind yourself like, Wait a minute. Okay, this isn't this isn't the starting eleven, right? This is who knows who they're going up against. Whatever. Like, don't overreact. Are you a big spring game guy? Is it something you pay attention to, or you're kind of just whatever? Wake me up when the season gets here. I, I feel like you're probably playing paying pretty close attention for the preseason magazine side of things. Just thoughts on spring games? Yeah. So there's a lot there. I think that um, you know, does it matter if Garnet beats Black? No. You know <laughs> that stuff doesn't matter. Even the box scores don't matter too much. Um, so from a fan perspective, I think it's just fun to get out there. It's a nice spring tailgate, uh, you know, get out some warm weather, finally see the ball in the air again. And, um, so, you know, there's some value there from an entertainment perspective, but the way that I'm viewing them, cause I'm, I'm coming uh, at this from a preseason magazine angle, a research angle. These things are great research tools because, um, these TV broadcasts and announcers, they do their research on their end. I mean, to be able to put together a two or three hour broadcast on just one team, they're doing deep dives all week, talking to coaches, talking to coordinators, talking to players, uh, watching practice. So just listening throughout the broadcast, they're dropping nuggets. And um, there's a lot to learn about a program if you watch their spring game. So uh, and then, yeah, you do get a little bit of a glimpse in the scheme that everyone plays at vanilla. Um, but in terms of big, obvious changes, like I'll never forget the LSU spring game where historically you think of LSU. They're in the I formation. They're, a, you know, ball control, rugged offense. I'll never forget 2019 or maybe it was 18. They come out in five wide with Joe Burrow, quarterback. And I remember thinking, this looks completely different. This is a whole new era at LSU. Um, so, yeah, you can see big-time scheme changes. But, um, yeah, so so long story short, I do find a lot of value from a research perspective. Um, you can learn a lot about a roster and a program uh, and the coaching staff just from listening to the, to the broadcast. Um, and then you get a, a first glance at some of the new athletes coming in, the transfers, the freshmen, uh, some, some guys climbing up the depth chart. So, yeah, I, I find value, and I, I watch everything I can. Uh, that's just my, I guess, addictive personality with college football. And you know, I, you know whenever I can find an angle, I'm going to go after it. Whether it's, you know, spring games, talking to coaches, um, practice reports, anything I can get my hands on in spring. So that's just one good tool. And on that note, Brett, so I, I'm sure you were able to take a glance at the South Carolina spring game. A anything in particular that stood out to you? You know, you mentioned Trey Knox, the brand new tight end. Of course, some of the transfer portal guys, I think, definitely flashed in the ball game. Got a couple of youngsters on defense that flashed. You know, we saw a little bit of Spencer Rattler, Juice Wells. You know, you mentioned how vanilla it was or how vanilla they are in the spring games. Dowell Loggins saying, Last week before the game, it was going to be vanilla ice cream and basically told him <laughs> it's going to be boring, right? You all know it's going to be boring. 
Uh, so I, I'm not sure there was a ton to take away in regards to what his new offense looked like, but anything that you picked up on in particular, and I, I'll also follow it up with this, uh, biggest question mark for South Carolina going into what is now the off season, if you will. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, there was a lot to like from the spring game. I thought that Rattler looked more comfortable. Um, you know, I, I like seeing big frame, uh, Trey Knox out there, like we touched on just, just uh, physically seeing these guys, uh, at their new programs, you know, um, but what stood out too is the big storyline, the carry and joiner his position change. I know he's done it all over the years, uh, in the rare category of 400 yards, passing 400 yards, rushing and 300 yards receiving. Uh, not too many guys have that, uh, that trio, but yeah, seeing him full-time at running back, it looks like he's been doing it longer than, you know, just one spring, he looks, you know, more experienced than you'd expect there. So, um, you know, it is a roster transition big time at tight end and, and uh, running back. So just seeing some fresh faces there, um, you know, some, some transfers up from the lower level, Joshua Simon, I think will be a, a potential starter there too at tight end. I think that uh, Loggins likes to use a, a 12 personnel, two tight ends. Um, intrigued to see Mario Anderson, more of him. He looked okay. Uh, he's the big D2 recruit coming up. Uh, he was a Harlan Hill finalist. That's the D2 Heisman. So just seeing a D2 guy make the transition was intriguing. Uh, he, you know, he looks like he can fit in. Um, so, yeah, a lot to like um, personnel-wise. So the, the big question for me, I have two. Uh, number one, I feel like we say this every year on your show, but, again, it's offensive line. Uh, now, South Carolina, they've been great at bringing in skill talent uh, and develop them, developing it at receiver. Uh, they've had a, a pretty good run of running backs the last 10 years. Um, but it's really been the trenches offensive line that I've been worried about and the numbers reflect that. So, you know, having to replace two, uh, two plus starters, um, you know, that's going to be tough. So offensive lines a concern. And then overall, there is some de defensive transition. I know that uh, with Clayton white, you keep your coordinator. He's been a very proven coordinator there, strong performances by him. Uh, but in terms of starters and personnel, there's some changeover um extremely thin at defensive end right now uh i think a little bit unexpected losing jordan birch and edmund in the transfer portal um and then uh, you know we'll see if you can get stratching back from injury but thin at defensive end you lose both starting backers so i mean I, the list is getting longer as they keep talking but no i'd say the biggest concern would be offensive line and then defensive end yeah, and I think two areas, Brett, I know we were talking before the show, there are two areas that I think they will attack in the transfer portal, um, certainly offensive line and the edge position, uh, beefing it up through the portal, I think will be a priority for Shane Beamer and company. Brett Sianci, this is always a lot of fun, Brett. I always enjoy this. I know, again, we'll do more of a deep dive later. I want to save a lot of things, right, for that conversation because we'll really get into the heat of it. And now, Brett, we begin – what feels like a very well, we got two more spring games, by the way, Alabama, LSU this weekend. But after that, we won't have football for quite a while, my man. How, how do you normally spend? I know for you again, the grind never stops with the magazine. How does Brett Siancia, though, normally spend the quote unquote downtime in the offseason? Anything in particular? Well, yeah, I mean, so you can kind of tell I'm, I'm a little rusty here. I'm, I usually do about 100, 150 shows uh, in the summer once the book comes out. This is a very rare spring appearance. so well, We um, appreciate it, by the way. Yeah, I appreciate yeah that. a little, little rusty, but it's good to get back out here talking football. Um, yeah, so in the winter and spring, it's really just hunkering down, building the book up. I mean, uh, January, February, it's building out the graphics, all the stats, because those are pretty much locked in from the prior season. Um, and then once uh, March and April started, you get to talk to the coaches, get some spring game action, spring practice reports. Uh, then it's just writing season. Um, then, uh, you know, it's a one man show over here. So it's writing. And then I turn around and I edit my own work. So it's editing season, design season for the book. Um, and then we get them all shipped out. So 
Yeah. So, you know, I always look forward to July 4th. That's always my unofficial target, you know, get the book published by July 4th and then celebrate all summer down. We did go down to Jersey shore, um, Seattle city. So it's a great time down there and really unwind a little bit before the, the real season kicks off in September. I love that. Well, Brett, let everybody know, by the way, before I let you out of here, let them know where they can find your work. And of course, we'll be we'll be pumping up the magazine, promoting the magazine, getting you on as soon as it drops. But let people know just where they can keep up with you and where they can find the work in the magazine. Yeah, well, absolutely. And thanks again for having me on. Congrats, all the good stuff you're doing at Spurs Up. Uh, I think I got to get a Beamer Ball towel up here for the Dude, I got you. Because, I got uh, you, man. I, we'll it get is, it up all uh, fair, man. I'll get it shipped to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been unbelievable special teams work up there this year. So, <laughs> um, anyways, uh, yeah, you can follow me at Pick 6 Previews on Twitter. Uh, from now until July, it's going to be tweeting out stats and info, um, my summaries on my calls with coaches, head coaches, coordinators, uh, spring game highlights that I come across. And then uh, for the book, it's pick6previews.com. And uh, I'll have a lot more info on that in uh, June, July when it's coming out. But it's all orders online. And we have the hard copy edition shipped your way or the digital download. So, uh, yeah, more to come on that. Still a couple months away, but um, hard at work on 2023. I love that. Brett Ciancia of Pick 6 Previews. But I appreciate you taking the time, man. Let's definitely do it again soon for sure. Yeah, anytime, Chris. Thanks. Absolutely. For Brett Cianci, I'm Chris Filtz. We appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on an episode of the Spurs Up Show.